Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Welcome back. I hope you had a good Labor Day. I hope you had a nice restful weekend. How often do uh, Amazon packages show up at your house? Uh, so at the Noble House, it's it's I wouldn't say it's a daily occurrence, but it's probably, my guess would be three days a week uh, we have an Amazon package show up or two and and sometimes it's me, sometimes it's my wife, sometimes it's my father-in-law who lives with us about half the year. Uh, but last week, a package shows up that wasn't Amazon. It was kind of bizarre looking. And, uh, and it was like a tube. And so I'm like, well, what is this? And I pull it out of the package. And then the tube is, is literally wrapped in a newspaper. But it's not like the New York Times or something. It's in French. So now it's just a complete mystery. I'm wondering if somebody's sending me anthrax or something. So I slowly <laughs> undo the packaging and I'm, I'm like, okay, this is a print of some sort. And, uh, and I, so I unroll the whole thing and there it's a, like a black and white, uh, drawing of three stormtroopers in Paris. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? Who sent this to me? Uh, and of course it was our good friend, David Fisher from Landmark Capital while you were over there, uh, Landmark Gold, while you were over there, uh, on your uh, extended vacation. So that was very kind of you. It is my only European based Star Wars artifact that is now a part of the noble Star Wars family collection. So thank you for that, David Fisher. How are you? <laughs> you got one more Star Wars artifact from yes. Europe than I do. <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your program. Are you doing great because you don't have a Star Wars artifact from Europe? No, that's I'm what doing it sounds great like. I'm on your program and I know who's on the throne, but that's just a side note. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like, hey, you never know what I might send you. I've, you know, I, I just sent you also my wife's no bake pie recipe. Yes. You're love that. Which looks so and, good. Uh, I'm so excited for that. That's what friends do. You know, you. Yeah, it had your name on it. I was walking right. by the CN River, and it's like, oh my gosh, everybody stop! <laughs> like the world stopped for a moment. It's like it had your name on it. It's like I just got by this, and send it's it so to you. good. Yeah, it's so hilarious, and it, and it's unique, and that was very thoughtful of you. Thank you very much. By the way, this is uh, the Philadelphia cream cheese. You got crushed pineapple, drained thoroughly. You got whipping cream. You make your own, which is awesome. Vanilla extract. I mean, this is a uh, shredded coconut, <laughs> a no bake. This is right up my alley, David. So Stormtrooper, Star Wars, and a no-bake pie. So I'm yeah. good there. I'm, I'm all Grand set. Cracker crust. Yeah, so it's, I'm uh, looking forward to making that. That'll probably show up on my table and in my stomach by the end of this week. So thank you for that <laughs> double blessing there. It's uh, great to have you back, and uh, we'll do a full Money Monday today. we got a lot to talk about. It's really amazing to me, David, that uh, Biden at all, uh, this is going to be kind of like George Bush 41's re Read My Lips, No New Taxes. As he talks <laughs> yeah, exactly. about Bidenomics as if it's a good thing and it's a big mess. And uh, and now I, I mentioned this to you earlier. Bidenomics now comes with a free covid mask. So we're all super excited about that. Uh, but let's talk about uh, Bidenomics. Well, I, 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 again, I'm shocked that they're actually running this up the flagpole. Yeah, they're really running it up the flagpole. In fact, it's one of the hallmarks he's trying to make his presidency around um, the economic data. When you look at it. Steve, it looks fantastic. I'm going like at first glance, but right. 
only to revise, be revised, you know, several months later. What I'm referring to is um, last week, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the BLS, um, and other government agencies, they, they're kind of engaging this, what I call a strange scheme. Some people call it a scheme. Some people call it outright lying. Uh, but anyway, they released this economic data that initially suggests that the economy is booming uh, only for the same data to be rise, revised downward multiple times in the following months. So some people say that BLS is just massaging the data yeah. to make Bidenomics work successful, uh, or others saying that this yardstick is just flawed. Well, here's the numbers. In June, 209,000 jobs were added. But then they revised it. The first revision, they took away 24,000 jobs, and then they revised it a second time, taking away 80,000. That's 104,000 fake jobs, or almost 50% of the original report. Uh, we go on, and you know the reality is the, unex the unemployment rate spiked unexpectedly from 3.5% to 3.8%, the highest since February of last year. And every single month, Steve, the job report has been revised lower, in some cases multiple times. We're talking every single month this year. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the jolts just came out last week, job openings and labor turnover survey. It was the third biggest missed on record, and it's downward after it was revised. In August, the, the number of full-time jobs dropped again, by 85,000, and then it was followed by a whopping 585,000 plunge in, in uh, July. So this brings us to a, a total of whopping of 670,000 jobs that went away, full-time jobs. Wow. So what did the Biden administration do? They pushed out the mouthpiece saying, hey, we added a whole bunch of part-time jobs, over a million part-time jobs, which is less than full-time jobs being yes, lost. Yes, of course. And they said, hey, this the economy is expanding. So in short, when you, when you look at the unadjusted hiring, it's the second worst time in history since 2009. It's just ridiculous, but they're saying this thing is booming. And unfortunately, the investors, they look at these jobs the first time. They don't look at the revisions two and three and right, four. Right. And Wall Street investors are making their decisions on mm -hmm. the first job report, which means the market is overly inflated. I'm not anti-stocks, right. but it's right. at like 19 to one, four times earning. And it's really not that. Yeah, that's always it's always people always go, oh, did you see the job numbers? I'm like, what you're seeing is the first shot at the job numbers. It's never the final shot at the job numbers. And then there's usually a revision. And then in some cases, like you mentioned, David, there's there's two revisions. So whenever you see it, of course, they're going to pump that up. It's all manipulation and, and actual disinformation. And then just like with the part-time things, they ignore the fact of the 600,000 full-time jobs that are lost. So they just ignore that. They just put it off camera. And then they bring up this other little dude over here and say, but hey, look at this. We, had a, we added a million part-time jobs as if... That's going to make up for the fact that we have 600,000 full-time jobs going away. I saw this story yesterday. We'll bring this up <clears throat> in the Hill. Uh, pretty pretty big headline. U.S. deficit is projected to roughly double double this year. $2 trillion for the fiscal year that ends September 30th. That's this month. They said it's a, a trillion. No, sorry. It'll be $2 trillion. It's going to get worse. What else is inside Bidenomics besides a free mask? We'll talk to David Fisher.
Africa needs G. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. Landmarkgold.com is the website, as always, for our good friend David Fisher. Landmarkgold.com. Uh, we're doing a full Money Monday as we do the, the beginning of every month. Of course, yesterday was Labor Day, so we just push it off a day. Uh, I have a lot to talk about, David. As always, thank you for your hard work and your uh, research and then sharing that with me and us and helping us to uh, understand what's going on with these sometimes very complicated issues. One thing that's not complicated is the fact that Bidenomics isn't working. I think all of us know that in our daily lives, uh, there are serious problems out there. The job market, both our older kids were looking around in the job market this year and, and that's gone flat. A lot of places, big companies doing hiring freezes. Of course, when you look at the stock market and you look at the S&P 500 and it's being propped up by just a small group of stocks, there's, there's not a lot of good news out there, yet it's amazing how uh, Biden and his team are like, hey, this is awesome. Let's give it a name. Let's let's give it a really obvious name, Bidenomics. And like I said at the beginning of the show, it reminds me of uh, what happened with George Bush 41. Read my lips. No new taxes. That was a, a line he wanted to use when he was running for president. And then he raised taxes and then that got hung around his neck. It became a millstone. We'll see what happens with Bidenomics. Of course, uh, we were talking about job numbers getting revised, not once, but twice. And then kind of the uh, they they do the distraction. They don't want to talk about, like you mentioned before, David, the 600,000 plus full-time jobs that we lost. We're just going to talk about the million part-time jobs that we found because that's a positive thing as opposed to just the reality of the other one. And then, of course, uh, he's not giving up on the whole student debt forgiveness. We haven't talked about that before. Uh, it's shown up on the show, but you and I haven't talked about this before. And it's just another sign of their insanity it's like it's all politics and all politicking all the time. Why are we forgiving student debt to people that took on a debt in the first place? And what about the people that have actually paid their debts off? It's just ridiculous. So so how's this part of Bidenomics? Is for, let's forgive all this student debt. Well, Bidenomics is what he campaigned on. Right. And so now he's living his promises that he said on the campaign trail while he's in the White House. But obviously there's flaws in the system. And here's another one of them. Just keep in mind, uh, back in June, the Supreme Court struck a ruling saying you're not going to forgive student debt. And he was attempting to forgive $20,000 debt per, per tens of millions of, right. of students that had uh, you know, college loans. And that was, that was a black and white thing. Well, he circumvented the court, went against the Supreme Court and the law, on uh, July 14th, the Biden administration uh, forgave $39 billion of student debt for more than 800,000 borrowers. This was what you call a relief of the result of fixes to the student loan system that was uh, under these repayment plans. In other words, students that had a loan between 20 to 25 years and still had a balance on those loans those were forgiven for 804,000 borrowers, resulting in $39 billion total against the Supreme Court. Yeah. It didn't stop there. A week later, the 25th of July, the Biden administration erases $130 million for 7,400 students that have college loans. This was against a specific 
sector, those that attended a college called College America in, Col in Colorado, it was because they said, the my administration said, these students were misled in the loan criteria and the prospect of gaining a career. They couldn't find the jobs. And Biden says, quote, these borrowers were lied to, ripped off, and saddled with mountains of debt, end quote. That's what he said when he announced this debt cancellation. Yeah. It didn't stop there going against the Supreme Court and the law. On August 30th, just recently, last week, the Biden administration announced it was going to forgive another $72 million of student debt for 2,300 borrowers who attended a college called Ashford University, again, because they had the inability to complete their their studies or unable to obtain employment because of this. So the Biden administration just wanted to forgive it. So far, canceling out student debt year to date, $116 billion of student debt representing 3.4 million students has been wiped away. Yeah, and all they're doing is after, after, after the Supreme Court decision comes down, they're like, okay, we got to find another way because we have to keep the – we have to keep the play. We have to keep playing Thanks. this game. So now let's go find if it's somebody's bright idea, and it actually is. We're like, okay, let's go find some colleges that were really poorly run and, and misrepresented, and now the students are are kind of hosed financially. They can't get a job, and let's step in and instead of allowing the old adage, "Let the buyer beware," uh, play. And you made a bad decision. Okay, learn and, and try to pass that on to other people, and don't do that again. Instead, they come in, they swoop in like they're wearing a cape the Bidenomics cape with your free COVID mask and you come in and you're the hero and those numbers aren't going to translate to much. You got, you know, millions of kids, young right. people with debts, but a lot of these people, especially under 30 aren't voting that much anyway. So it's, it's really mind boggling. And once again, it's the federal government's job for a liberal, for a progressive to solve everybody's problems because that's the way that you gain more power and control. You get more people hooked on it. And then we you forget God. You don't need God. You need government. We're going to take care of you. And you just increase the nanny state. And now you're doing it with people in their 30s, which is really disgusting. Yeah, it's not the big G anymore. It's the little G. And it's, it's done through force upon us with no will of our own, no responsibility on our own, no give and take on yeah. our own. And this is, this is, you know, goes along with the world uh, economic social order that the, the Biden administration is laying the pavework for. Yeah, that's exactly right. And if you want to study up on that, just study up on The Great Reset, whether you like Glenn Beck or not. He did an incredible book on The Great Reset three years ago. He's got another one called Dark Future that I'm about 65% through. It's about 500 pages. Uh, and it's excellent to see what the World Economic Forum and The Great Reset, The Great Narrative. I mean, this stuff's pretty crazy. Uh, but we can't just look at the government and bark about this stuff because personal debt versus public debt is also a big problem and, and affects the economy. I mean, you can set this up. We'll talk about it more in the next segment. But let's just set this up that personal and public debt both affect the economy in general. Certainly. You know, this is going to be a really short topic, too, but because we talk so much about debt. But uh, the Biden administration is getting low marks on the economy. There's a poll uh, uh, Steve Dunn at the Wall Street Journal here last week. The overall approval of Biden's job is only at 42% versus 57% uh, just flat out disapprove of his leadership. 
61% of U.S. workers now live from paycheck to paycheck. Yep. Wow. And 21% struggle with paying all their bills. And Americans have never been more in the red when it comes to credit card. Credit card debt now just surpassed $1 trillion for the first time this year. Wow. You would think that the administration would be, follow my lead, get your financial house in order, don't <laughs> do as I say, do as I do. Yep. But don't do as they do because you just mentioned it, the Hill this morning. That's right. Uh, announced that the deficit is, budget deficit is $2 trillion. Yeah. That's Oops. gonna happen by September 30th. Right, by I the end of the on month. on your program in January. That's right. We're gonna be over $1.5 trillion. Hold that thought. Debt. We're talking to David Fisher, Landmark Gold. We'll be right Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show, show a full Money Monday with our good friend David Fisher from Landmark Capital. Landmarkgold.com is the website, as always, landmarkgold.com, working our way through Bidenomics and forgiving student debt, which is a joke because we only have, uh, what's the number I found? Student debt, student loan debt right now currently. I'm looking at the U.S. Debt Clock. If you've never gone there, you need to do that, usdebtclock.org. Spend some time there. You're going to want to vomit. Uh, but that's the point. You need to see reality. Student loan debt currently $1.8 trillion. Credit card debt, which you mentioned, David, uh, $1.2 trillion. Uh, but you look at the federal government and we're, uh, our budget deficit uh, actual is, is uh, projected, the official, according to one group, is $1.8 trillion, but the actual is $1.94 trillion. And so our annual spending by this federal government of ours uh, which is ending fiscal year in September 30th, $6.5 trillion, which is, I just figured this out over the break, we're spending, the federal government's spending $17.5 billion per day. So whenever you hear federal officials, whether it's Biden's White House or anybody in Congress talking about significant cuts, and we're going to cut $300 million, just from, just anytime you hear that, we're going to cut $300 billion out of the budget in the next 10 years. Well, that's $30 billion a year over 10 years. Uh, which is two days worth of spending. That's nothing. They're, they're, they're telling you something that's incredibly misleading, but you only know it's misleading if you know the facts, which is why I just cracked that joke, David. I said, hey, you know, hey, David, uh, pat me on the back because uh, I'm eating three candy, less candy bars per week now. I've cut my candy bar consumption by three candy bars per week. Wow, great job, Steve. That's really awesome. Pat yourself on the back. Uh, how many candy bars do you regularly eat every week? Uh, like 300. <laughs> <laughs> am I serious about cutting my caloric intake via candy bars? I am not, which is why it's important for us to understand these things. Uh, and especially, so we, we talk a lot about debt, obviously, David, but, but personal debt affects all this as well, right? It affects the economy because the deeper we get in, the less we spend and the more it hurts the economy. Is that basically it? And the less we spend, the less companies make, the less revenue, the comp less taxes the company pay to the national government, less revenue to the government. It's a cycle. That's why they want to get the consumer to spend. So instead of stimulating the economy, they did they did what they did is they expanded the debt and they're asking the consumer to expand their personal right. debt, i.e. credit cards. And now there's going to be a bust that the consumer can't pay all this. And he's, he and she is going to pull back on their spending 
So imagine the ramifications when they pull back on spending, i.e. the last thing is called travel. When that happens, you're going to see problems in the airline industry. Yep. You're going to see problems that will trickle all down to economics. And this whole idea of Bidenomics, Bidenomics will really show its bad, ugly head and we will have a recession. That is where we're headed because the consumer, who is the one who usually holds the economy up through thick and thin, they're getting to the place where they can't carry this debt burden right. and they're gonna have to pull back. That's what happens each time when we get to this uh, event that or this crossroads that we're at right now. Yeah, and uh, but, but at least they're gonna save us from COVID again, David. So it's really not all that bad. <laughs> so we can count on that and look forward to that over the next several months. Uh, so talked about Bidenomics, talked about forgiving student debt, personal and public debt. Uh, let's go back to BRICS. I, I don't I want to make sure everybody understands what this is at a basic level, uh, because this will have enormous ramifications for us and our children and grandchildren as they get older, because as the world starts to create uh, alternatives, to the U.S. dollar, the dollars that you all that you have, that I have, that David has uh, investments, savings, whatever. Uh, each one of those dollars becomes worth less, not zero, but worth less. And then all of a sudden, talk about inflation, then that can really kill you with the value of the dollar. So give us an update on the BRICS conference. So BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And the conference was a couple weeks ago. And many said that they're going to, you know, Putin said two months, three months ago, that they're going to have a gold-backed currency. And I said, I don't know how this is going to happen. They haven't set up the infrastructure for it. you got to have a banking system. You have to trade mechanisms on money flow between country to country. And so they actually did the, the best announcement they could have done and not make that announcement, but rather they embraced and added six new countries, <laughs> Iran, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Argentina, Egypt, and Ethiopia. So BRICS just doubled in size in one week. What does this mean as far as how large are they? Well, they, now they represent a little over uh, 30% of the GDP, which is a little bit larger than the seven industrial nations. You know, we're talking about United States, European Union, Canada, France, Italy, and so forth. Those seven industrial nations, I didn't mention all because of time, BRICS is actually larger than the, that, that segment of the world. Wow. The population is 46% of huh. the world of bricks so we're talking about half oil production is 43 percent now this is before they've actually added these five different con oh, countries oh okay oil's going to change then <laughs> the oil production is going to really change and the exports of goods is at 25 percent, which is probably also going to go up so there's 16 additional countries that have already applied for BRICS beyond the, the six countries right. I, that just got added into BRICS. And by the way, these, on a side note, Iran, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, those are oil producing countries and also a little bit of Argentina. They're not gonna come on board yet for being a full member of BRICS till January of the beginning, first uh, of January of next year. So that's when you're gonna see the oil market start to make a big change in it. That's when you see the currency market and gold probably make some big changes too. So this is just the foundation. Beyond the 16 countries behind these six, 
there's another 28 countries that are in the wings Whoa. that are saying we want to think about we probably want to be a part of it so i'm going to speculate this this news articles they've been reading from analysts they're expecting between 100 to 200 countries being a part of BRICS in the next two to three years do you guys realize those that are hearing my voice the significance because this is all about circumventing and not using the right, dollar anymore right. that's what this is about so instead of just trying to convince them to sell oil and another currency of their own what they did was in, invite them in to the BRICS system and this is totally cut off the legs of the United States. I said this before. So let's just kind of dissect this for a moment here. We have Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. They were not on the, the, the radar becoming part of BRICS. The Trump administration understood, Steve, how significant it was to have a relationship with the Saudis, and we maintained that relationship when Trump was in office. Well, we've had Biden do, totally do some other economics things, shut down the pipeline and put all these sanctions on. And they, Saudis realized the Trump administration, he's not going to be around forever, at best eight years. So now what's the new regime? What's that going to do? And so they're in this new regime. And that's why the Saudis said uh, at the beginning of January that they're going to start selling oil in any kind of currency. Right. And now we're seeing that they are part of BRICS. So the future of BRICS is no longer going to be just remained in one or two or five mm -hmm. countries it's broadening out and they're based upon oil producing countries so saudi arabia opec's going to be a partner of this russia's no longer going to be the only big oil country and part of BRICS. so united arab emirates also a huge thing uh, dubai and adibabi um they're they're rapidly becoming strategic economic centers of the world they're huge in in the gold trade and the oil trading of the world they have a huge, they have their own actually oil benchmark and Russia doesn't even have that. So mm -hmm. this is the significance of, of United Arab Emirates. Argentina, the, they need some money. They borrowed money from the IMF, but you, when you borrow money from the IMF, you have to go by the IMF guidelines, just like anything else. And they don't like the IMF guidelines because it involves the dollar being involved. They want the dollar involved. They want all those things. So BRICS came along and has poured a bunch of money into Argentina this is going to open up their shale reserves. They're going to start producing so much more oil wow. because now they have the money and right. financing from BRICS. Ethiopia, Egypt, the IMF has their thumb on both of these countries. Again, kind of like Argentina. So China just forgave $8 billion of Egypt's debt by coming into BRICS. Hmm. So there's this financial incentive. Yeah. yeah. And, and the IMF is not going to, you know, wipe away their debt uh, egypt so this also uh, don't forget the suez canal egypt handles 12 percent of that global trade so 12 percent of all the global trade goes through the suez wow. canal and egypt is a part of that they run that area ethiopia BRICS is now effectively has access to the red sea um, this opens up trade in eastern africa iran obviously they're heavily in oil so China and Russia have pledged billions, hundreds of billions of dollars of investment and in sales to Iran to oh, stimulate man. their economy. This yeah. is all about money. They're, these countries, these six countries have huge financial incentive yeah. of money flowing into them from BRICS, all because, and now the byproduct is, you're going to see them eventually not have oil be a part of the dollar system anymore. Right, just, yeah.
Well, when we come back from the break, I'm up against it. I want to talk about what's motivating bricks, and then we'll talk about the effect on gold and silver. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show, a full Money Monday at the beginning of the month with our good friend David Fisher from Landmark Capital. Landmarkgold.com is the website, as always. Landmarkgold.com. And we've been talking about uh, BRICS and this uh, this whole growing group of nations. They just added another five or six recently. And uh, and the powerhouses here, the, you know, Iran, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Egypt, Argentina, what they represent in terms of the population, the, uh, this growing number of countries joining BRICS, uh, 43% of the oil production coming from these guys, 25% of all exports coming from this list of countries that's growing. Uh, but the motivation behind it, why this is all about not having to go use good old greenbacks. We have to avoid using U.S. dollars so that we can trade uh, buy the oil. We don't have to switch from our local currency to the dollar and then from the dollar to go buy the oil because people are making money on that exchange. Uh, and so they're trying to go around that. They also see America is not quite uh, the big financial beast that she once was. So why would you go down with that ship? A- anything else going on just behind the motivation of BRICS and why this is uh, picking up such a head of steam to basically have a, a good chunk of the world's population and economic powerhouses avoid using the dollar. Yeah, so let's define it a little bit more than that. So if through this system and you want to buy oil through one of these countries, like right now, you, uh, the rest of the world, Russia, uh, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, et cetera, the oil producing countries, Iran, they're selling it anywhere between 10 to $30 a barrel cheaper than the United States. On top of that, the shipping cost is going to be cheaper from proximity where they are in the world right. compared to us, them buying oil from the United States or Canada. Because there's only two other countries that really produce enough oil and we're not doing enough. We're not energy independent. But when we were, and if we were, it would still cost more money for the most of the world to buy oil from us price per barrel. And on top of that is shipping charge extra because of our proximity compared to these other countries. But there's another incentive on top of those two things. And that is this, the BRICS currencies, check this, this data out. They've all experienced significant depreciation in their currency against the dollar. Argentina peso has fallen 98% against the dollar. Egyptian pounds has fell 78% against the dollar. Indian rupee, 35% against the dollar. Ethiopian burr, 68% the dollar. Brazilian real, 55% against the dollar. And the Iranian real has collapsed 90% against the dollar. Since Brex got started here, which was really 2009. So that's a big drop in your currency. Yes. So if you were these countries and you wanted to support your own local currency, you don't have to convert out of your currency to buy oil. And I was in Europe, when I converted from Euro, dollar to euros, there was between a five to 10% con- currency exchange. So they're saving five to 10% yeah. on there. They're saving another 10 to $30 a barrel, and they're saving another whatever it is, shipping costs. Yeah, real and money. then they don't have to support the dollar, and they get to support their own currency. So there's these multi-layered, levels of reasoning of yeah. really just simple economics simple. of 
They don't want to be a part of it anymore. Plus, on top of that, when you go into the political side, they don't want some country called the United States telling them how they should right. live, act, and do. Yeah, so there is a, uh open rebellion, for lack of a better phrase, against the 800-pound uh, the gorilla in the room, which has been the United States and the U.S. dollar for years, going back, what? The world's reserve currency, the U.S. dollar, was that in the 70s? 1944. 1944, all the way back there, post-war. World War II, when we were the big dog on the porch, there was nobody else. Communist Russia was just coming about. Um, and then here we are all these years later, and people are like, yeah, no, I don't need to stay on your uh, good ship lollipop anymore. I'm out of here. And I don't so think most they, Americans have a clue that this is coming. No, this and this the ramifications of this being around oil is so significant because yeah. every country needs oil, and that's the main thing that all countries buy you have to have oil in different forms, natural gas, mm -hmm. diesel, crude, sweetened, unsweetened, processed gasoline, whatever it is, and all the all the things that have to do with that, plastics, right. you know, lubricants, oh, et cetera. Man. It just goes on and on. Medical devices, it all revolves around the oil market. And if we lose the oil petrodollar, which we got in 1974, that's where this is going. This is a strike at the United States, very heart of the matter financially. And like I said, there's these multiple layers of this is how it's going to work. So a new country, all these company countries that are in line to gear up to this, saying, I think I want to be a part. That's why these analysts are projecting, who are not gold analysts, they're saying their currency and they're studying this. They're saying there's going to be hundreds you know, or, or tens, tens, 50, maybe 100 or maybe 150 countries out of the bulk of 200 plus countries will be a part of BRICS because there's no incentive to right. stay on this ship here. Right, right. That's why you're going to see eventually when all the system is set up and it's going to start in January next year, a big chunk of this thing's going to get running then. Then you're going to eventually see, and I'm speculating, one to five years from now, you're going to see, and probably closer to five than one if I had to make that determination, a gold-backed currency coming out. But they got to get the system set up, running, interacting between countries where they can trade outside of the dollar, buy oil with no sanctions, no shutdowns, no ramifications. And they're going to be able to do this. And this could cause either a war or the United States will have to get its financial house in order. Yeah. This is going to cause all kinds of problems for the dollar is what analysts are saying. This is why you're going to see some very high gold prices moving forward, not overnight. This is not put all your money into gold right, and right. silver. This is diversify a portion to seven, portion to eight. But now we have a lot of financial reasoning on how we're going to fulfill scripture and bump the dollar out of this thing and how the other countries rise financially and economically. This is all coinciding and dovetailing together, Steve. This is why the biggest money in the world called central banks are buying enormous amounts of gold. They're preparing for this big transition that's now starting. Yeah, and that's why, like uh, I mentioned earlier, the U.S. Debt Clock, usdebtclock.org. And in the upper left-hand corner, you just click on the, the, US, the world debt clock, okay? Then you can go look at not just our country, but China, Japan, Germany, U.K., India, France, Italy, Brazil, Canada. You go all the way down this list, uh, down to Switzerland, Taiwan, Turkey. These are the biggest economies out there. And, and they all have uh, one thing in common. All their national debt is red. And it's skyrocketing. And like the uh, the debt, uh, external debt to GDP ratio is way over 100% on all these places. America, we're at 89.56%. Public debt to GDP, that's how much we owe as a government. 
to the amount of money that we produce in a year, we're at 92%. But countries like Japan, they're at 300%. The UK is at 109%. Their economy's in shambles. France is at 128%. Italy's at 172%. This is, I mean, it's untenable. And that's why these nations have to do something to try to stop the bleeding as much as they can, which is why BRICS is so attractive to them. But then with people, central banks buying gold like that, is that all just a hedge? Is that basically the deal like I used, I've talked about for years? We have this teeter-totter, and at one end, we have the normal things that we think of when we talk about investing. And on the other end, we have something that you literally have to dig out of the ground, like gold and silver, because it's a limited product. But look at 1971, when Nixon took us off a gold standard, and there was all this uncertainty in paper, and that's why they had to make paper secure by getting involved in the oil market, having oil trade only in dollars in 1974. But, but the world didn't buy into that all at once. And so what happened, there was a lot of uncertainty. Central banks bought a lot of gold in the 70s. And how much did gold go up? Over 500% in five years. We're moving back into the, like back to the future, the same uncertainty. We're moving into it now. The world is moving away from the dollar, which is creating a whole bunch of uncertainty. Right. And the world doesn't know how this is all going to play out. So where do they go? Central banks get their money secure by buying massive quantities in gold. If the biggest buyers of gold are massively buying gold like never before, looking back this year, yeah. over 50 years, this is the most they've ever bought, a little bit more than last year, which is a little bit more than the year before. The wow. last five years, they've been aggressively buying, and BRICS have been gaining momentum the last five years. So this is somewhat tied into BRICS. This is also tied into our debt. Mm -hmm. So the central banks see the handwriting on the wall, a financial calamity coming. There's no way the United States, they're thinking this, there's no way the United States is going to survive financially. Yeah. If they lose this whole thing of the world reserve currency, which they will lose because you can't have $2 trillion budget deficits and not sustain a world reserve <laughs> currency. Right. That's exactly what Britain did. And we're going in the same footsteps. So this is why they're hedging and they're also saying gold is a great investment because when this happens, this transition over periods of a few, quite a few years, five to 10, I'll say, you're going to see big increases in gold. In fact, there was a guy, as we were talking at the last break when you and I were on yeah. Facebook, he was just on TV, I have a television right over to my right, CNBC, and he was being interviewed on CNBC. His, his name is Nick, Nick Colas, and he is oh, yeah. saying... You're gonna. He's a. He used to be the former uh, analyst at Credit Suisse. So he's not a, not a guy who doesn't know very much. He's very much in the know. He's saying we're very bullish on gold for the next five to ten years. There's an, Morgan Stanley came out says we're buyers of gold even if gold pulls back. So we're seeing all kinds of people yeah. say get involved in gold. William Metalcoop. He's he's an analyst in currency markets and a founder of a commodity discovery fund. He's saying gold is undervalued in reference to all the debt that's yeah, out there. Yeah. When it moves, you're gonna see gold move five, eight, and 10 times is what he's yeah, saying. Right. High numbers in gold, but call my company and learn about the need to have some diversification because there's big changes right. coming in the world. Get educated, phone number and website, David. Uh, give us a call, 844-604-2575.
Again, 844-604-2575 or go to our website, landmarkgold.com. God bless you, brother. Thank you so much for your time as always. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you guys real soon. Like my dad always used to say, ever forward.